Nim, and you're listening to A Spoonful of Medicine, topping up your paediatric knowledge one spoonful at a time. On today's episode, we're checking out Bactral Association, or VATA Association. Now, you may have heard that mentioned on the neonatal or paediatric ward, or maybe you've even seen a case. I saw one not too long ago in our emergency department, and I took the opportunity to learn more about it, and I thought I'd take time to share it with you. We're going to talk about what an association is, how VITA Association presents, how it's investigated for, and how we approach the management of it. So let's take time to look at factual association. Let's begin this episode with a case. So you're a resident on a busy neonatal ward and you've been asked to attend a delivery for a low-risk primip who is 38 weeks and two days. You're told that the baby is male and that antenatally, the only thing on the scans showed some mild polyhydramnios. Otherwise, maternal serology and health was well in pregnancy. The baby is born in good condition and cries immediately and delayed cord clamping is completed by the midwives. The baby is then handed to you in order to do a quick assessment. You note that the baby is vigorous with no obvious dysmorphic facial features. However, when you go to assess the genitalia, you observe that the anus is imperforate. You call your registrar, who tells you that the baby can have a quick cuddle with mum, but should come to the nursery for further assessment. In the nursery, the baby continues to be vigorous, with pre- and postductal saturations above 90%. However, your senior registrar notices a systolic murmur that appears to be loudest at the left lower sternal edge. A nasogastric tube is inserted and a mobile chest x-ray is obtained. On the chest x-ray image, you notice that the nasogastric tube the nurse has just inserted is actually coiled in the upper esophagus. Your senior reg also points out that one of the vertebrae looks like a hemivertebra. You call your boss and the SMO, who has a lot of experience, tells you, I think this baby may have vactral association. They advise you to keep them nearby mouth and obtain an ultrasound of the kidney system because they're concerned that they may have a renal tract abnormality. You order that scan and reflect about the malformations that have been detected in this neonate. An imperfect anus on your initial examination that nasogastric tube that is coiled is suspicious for an esophageal atresia. The murmur your registrar detected is suspicious for a ventricular septal defect. And what about those hemivertebra on that x-ray that they obtained? And now we're looking at the renal tract. You write down factual association and you tell yourself you'll study it when you get home tonight. You really do learn something new every day in this job, don't you? Now, before we dive into vactral association in particular, I want to touch upon a few definitions. Specifically, what is a syndrome? What's an association? And how do these two differ from a sequence? Now, an association, which is what vactral is, is a group of malformations that occur together more commonly than one would expect to be by chance alone. Furthermore, in associations, we don't have evidence of a single unifying cause. 
Other examples of association include Mercus association. A syndrome, on the other hand, is a recognisable pattern of signs or symptoms or malformations that run together. And typically, a syndrome differs from an association in that there is a unifying cause that has been found. Some examples of syndromes include Turner syndrome or 45XO, Marfan syndrome with a high arch palate and a propensity for aortic root dilatations and mitral valve prolapse. There's charge syndrome um, and also the trisomies such as trisomy 21 or Down syndrome, trisomy 18 or Edwards syndrome and trisomy 13 or Patau syndrome, just to name a few. And finally, we have a sequence. And a sequence is a pattern of deformations which occur as a consequence of a single malformation. And a classic example of this is Pierre-Robin sequence. In Pierre-Robin sequence, micronathia, or a small jaw with a receding chin, is the initial abnormality. This causes the tongue to sit larger compared to the oral cavity and makes it sit a bit more forward, higher and obstructs the airway. This tongue also impedes the fusion of the hard palate and can result in a cleft palate. So there you go. That's the difference between an association, a syndrome and a sequence. So let's get back to Bactrel. The estimated incidence of Vactral association is about 1 in 10,000 to 1 in 40,000 live births, with no particular ethnic distribution. However, this number is actually purely an estimate, and this is because studies have often different diagnostic criteria when they define what Vactral is. Some larger studies have also extracted data from large malformation registries, and these registries may not have conclusively excluded the other differentials for vactual association, or may have been made when we didn't have underlying diagnoses for other conditions such as charge, and these could have been included in their estimates for vactual numbers. Also, some studies may have only included those with minimal comorbidities and so we may underestimate how many people truly have Vactral. So ultimately, we actually don't know the true incidence of Vactral in our populations. So, what are the malformations associated with Vactral association? Well, handily, Vactral is actually a mnemonic for the malformations. So let's start with V. V stands for vertebral defects, and these are seen in 60 to 80% of vactral cases. Types of vertebral abnormalities can range from hemivertebrae or butterfly vertebrae to supranumerary vertebrae or absent vertebrae. Some people may have rib abnormalities, congenital scoliosis, caudal regression, or even spina bifida. So, there is a large variation about what vertebral defects someone with Bactral may have. Next, we have A, which stands for anal atresia or anorectal anomalies, and these are seen in 50 to 90% of cases. The most common anomaly is anal atresia or an imperforate anus. 
Now, some cases up to a quarter may have accompanying genitourinary anomalies as well. There is a specific classification system to assess which atresias count, but by and large, if you remember anal atresia and an imperfect anus, that is a very good starting point. Next in Bactrel comes C, and C stands for cardiac defects, and these are seen in up to 80% of cases. The most common cardiac lesions are VSDs or ventricular septal defects and ASDs or atrial septal defects. However, they're not the only types of conditions that are seen. You may see Tritology of Fallow or TOFs, hyperplastic left heart, and many other defects. But VSDs and ASDs are the most common. After C comes the letter T, and that stands for tracheoesophageal fistula and or esophageal atresias. And this is why if you have a baby with an anorectal malformation, it's important to make sure that you can pass a nasogastric tube through. Vactral, the next letter, is R. And R stands for renal abnormalities. And these are seen in 50 to 80% of cases. Now, the renal anomalies are a real spectrum, and some studies say that renal anomalies associated with rectal malformations may or may not be true anomalies. But nonetheless, renal tract changes can range from unilateral renal agenesis to bilateral agenesis in really severe cases. Those with bacterial may have a horseshoe kidney or even cystic or dysplastic kidneys. And this is why your SMO from the case before insisted on that renal ultrasound. And finally, we have L, or limb abnormalities. And limb abnormalities can range from radial ray defects to polydactyly and oligodactyly. And so it's really important to have a look at the arms of babies that you're suspecting could have factual. So there you have it. Bactrel stands for vertebral defects, anal atresia or anomalies, cardiac defects, tracheoesophageal fistula and esophageal atresias, renal tract abnormalities, and limb abnormalities. Now it's time to check out the diagnosis of Bactrel association. Bactrel association is typically a sporadic disorder, or in other words, it tends to happen at random. Many studies have looked into the possible genetic underpinnings of vactual association, but nothing in particular has heralded a clear cause. Most genetic studies are either small because they only look at a few families at a time, and these have found some links, potentially mitochondrial or otherwise. But when these genetic factors are tested on others with factual association or families that have a few cases of factual in them, these abnormalities or genetic defects aren't found again. So we're ultimately back at square one, and we don't really know what truly causes factual association. Now this makes diagnosing factual association a little bit of a contentious issue because there's no real consensus about what is a true gold standard diagnostic criteria for factual association. Some scientists go as much to say as you can't 
diagnose an association because it just is a collection of symptoms that happen to occur together. You can only observe it until you prove an underlying cause. Nonetheless, in studies, we do tend to have a frequently used criteria that classes someone as having Vactryl. This criteria is that someone who has Vactryl association must have at least three features of the association and there should be no clinical or laboratory-based evidence for the presence of another diagnosis or a differential diagnosis that mimics Vactryl association. What are these differential diagnoses, you may ask? Well, they include Fanconi anemia, which is a chromosomal breakage disorder. And so chromosomal breakage studies should be done in all those with Vactryl to exclude Fanconi anemia. Another syndrome is Chard syndrome that can have heart defects and genitourinary anomalies. However, in Chard syndrome, cases may have colobomas or ear defects as well. Allergial syndrome, which we covered in an earlier episode, has butterfly vertebrae, as well as some cardiac defects, specifically peripheral pulmonary stenosis, and that can also be mistaken for Vactryl. Finally, Holt-Oram syndrome, Curiano syndrome, and Borogerald syndrome can also be mistaken for Vactryl. When you have someone that you suspect could have a factual association, you need to assess for the features and then address each anomaly that you've found. So let's have a look at what we do. Starting with V or vertebral abnormalities, usually x-ray and or MRI of the spine is sufficient to assess for these. Next is A or anal atresias and that can be detected on a physical examination. It's also really important to get an ultrasound of the abdomen to assess for associated genitourinary anomalies as well as renal tract anomalies. T or tracheoesophageal fistula and esophageal atresia can be assessed for on physical examination and contrast studies. However, contrast studies are rarely required. It should be noticed that those with true esophageal fissures may still present with swallowing or breathing abnormalities and issues, and so clinicians should have a low index of suspicion if you have a child that may have other histories suggestive of vital association. R for renal anomalies can be assessed for, as we've already covered, with renal tract ultrasounds. And finally, limb abnormalities can be assessed for on physical examination and x-rays. The management of vactyl association really is a multidisciplinary team approach and it needs multiple allied health and medical professionals in order to care for a child with vactyl. Severe cardiac malformations, imperfect anus, and tracheoesophageal fistulas are typically managed with surgery in the neonatal or infant period. Other malformations may be subtle, but they can be medically important. For example, vertebral abnormalities can result in severe back pain as the child grows older. Renal anomalies can predispose to infections or recurrent UTIs, nephrolithiasis, and as well as declining renal function. Cardiac defects can cause compromised cardiac function, dysrhythmias, and cardiac failure. 
repaired tracheoesophageal fistulas can lead to reflux, reactive airway disease and consequently compromised respiratory function. So ultimately, no malformation is insignificant. The overall prognosis for those living with Bactral depends on the severity of the underlying abnormalities and patients often faced considerable medical challenges throughout their life. It is important to note, however, that patients with factual association do not tend to have neurocognitive impairment. So, the presence of neurocognitive impairment should strongly suggest an alternative diagnosis, such as CHARGE syndrome, which is associated with lower neurocognitive status. It's time for a recap. Vactral association or Varta association is a constellation of malformations that occur more commonly than attributable to chance. We don't have an underlying etiology for them. The components of Vactral association include V for vertebral defects, A for anal atresias and anomalies, C for cardiac defects, T for tracheoesophageal fistula and esophageal atresia, R for renal anomalies, and L for limb abnormalities. And someone needs at least three of these features with no clinical or laboratory-based evidence for an alternative diagnosis in order to be called factual association. In terms of management of factual, it's important to assess for all the features and then address each anomaly that is found. Overall prognosis depends on the severity of the underlying abnormalities but important to note that those with factual association do not have neurocognitive impairment. And that's been this week's episode of A Spoonful of Medicine. Thank you so much for joining us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and tell a friend. For the visual learners of us out there, head over to our Instagram page at spoonful.of.medicine for a quick summary of today's episode along with some other great educational content. If you'd like to get in touch, have a suggestion for a future episode, or have heard something that you think needs a correction, please email us on spoonfulofmedicinepodcast at gmail.com. It's been a pleasure topping up your paediatric knowledge one spoonful at a time. I can't wait for you to join us on our next episode. But until then, bye. Bye.